Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Larger than life, tower, I remember you, the harder I try. I can't forget you, the more I learn, the less I know. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the, the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Jordan Oppett here, filling in for Frankie Mackay. Many of you will know me as a TVNZ One News sports reporter here in Christchurch. And I tell you what, there's been a bit on, actually, right here in Otatahi in the last couple of days. The big one for us in New Zealand, the Black Caps, and more specifically, Test Captaincy. On the day the squad to head to Pakistan was named, news broke Kane Williamson would be stepping down from Test Captaincy duties and only steady the ship in the white ball formats. It leaves him to focus on being a specialist batsman and an opportunity for Tim Salvey to take over the reins with the red ball cricket. I believe it's the first time split captaincy has been used in New Zealand cricketing history, and New Zealand cricket CEO David White hasn't ruled out a split coaching setup too. So as I say, bit on. In terms of the naming, Glenn Phillips is in line for his second ever test. Blair Tickner's in with a chance to debut. And Ish Sodi has been recalled after a four-year hiatus. Well, we're joined by the man himself, Mr Sodi, this morning. Morning, Ish. Firstly, congratulations. And what does it mean to be recalled into the test squad after four years? Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for that. Um, obviously really exciting. Um been a long time between drinks I mean, four years since my last test match and um i guess it's been a nice time for a bit of reflection on on how important test cricket has been to me over the years and um and i guess for for to have the chance to go back and and hopefully uh, make a contribution to that side is, is a really exciting prospect yeah gary mentioned yesterday you've been working hard on this recall in some ways especially with tweaking your bowling what are some of the changes you've made to put you in good stead for red ball cricket yeah, the biggest thing I've done is, is sort of um, change my run-up, which, you know, I guess at the time felt like such a big risk because, you know, I've been doing it one way for about 18 years and, and thought, you know, if I wanted to, you know, keep propelling my career forward, then this was something that was important to me to get more energy at the crease. And so uh, that was a big focus for me, started in, in about April. Um, and I saw some great benefit from it uh, with my white ball cricket and in terms of consistency. And and I guess that's a big thing about test cricket is you can try to be consistent over a long period of time. So I'm hoping this does help me in the red ball format too. They say, you know, test cricket's the pinnacle of it for you cricketers. What is it that you love about test cricket? Oh, it's just the, you know, I guess winning games of test cricket, especially, you know, in, in tough conditions overseas, you know, against teams which traditionally you're not sort of expected to beat. Um, it's just the, the toil that you have of test cricket, the, the fifth day, you know, if you can win in the last couple of sessions, the the camaraderie you have that you share between your teammates are sitting around a around a changing room and discussing what happened in the game, having a cold beer, and you know, just reminiscing on a lot of the tough work that's gone into the toil. And I think that's something that's really unique to long format cricket, as opposed to you know, three hours of of a bit of a miss.
Yeah. Uh, you don't like beers, Ish. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only the hazy ones. <laughs> um, you debuted 10 years ago in the Tessit Arena. What do you make of, I guess, your, your career since then? And I guess what's changed in that time? Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I hear that and I still can't believe that I'm still here. Um, you know, at 30, <laughs> well, I've just turned 30, which, you know, generally a lot of people say is, is reasonably young for a cricketer. And, um, you know, I can look back on my career so far with some really fond experiences and, and, you know, times that I got to share with a lot of great people as well. But I guess the start of my career was all about test cricket, ball cricket, and, and during that era that was all we played. But I was fortunate, I guess, through the middle part of my career to find white ball cricket um, and a little bit of a niche in T20 cricket, which has been, you know, really exciting and has, has given me a career that, you know, I've really enjoyed over the past few years. And, and so, you know, 30 years old, still being getting a chance to go back and play some test cricket. Um, it's really exciting and um, it's really cool to know as well that I've got, you know, in the background this white ball, white ball game that I've really enjoyed and, and still look to enjoy for the next you know, few years to come. How important, I guess, has it been for you or I guess beneficial or impactful to make that move to Canterbury when you did only a couple of seasons ago? Yeah, I think it's been really beneficial for me. You know, it's really helped with with family life, uh, being home mm. uh, around family more often. You know, like uh, playing for Northern Districts, always felt like a bit of a gypsy. Uh, you know, I lived in Auckland uh, in Papatoito. I obviously had a, a few exchanges in Pukekohe High School, um, but <laughs> yeah, I was I always sort of had to move to to Hamilton, drive there, drive to Mount Monganui and stuff. And I absolutely love my time in Northern Districts, but I guess I was at that stage of my my career and probably age. That I just needed a bit of stability, and so um, been really fortunate that Canterbury have opened me with well welcomed me with open arms, and um, you know it's been a really good start so far, and and hopefully something that continues for a long time to come. For a bit of context to that, for everyone, Ish and I went to rival high schools in South Auckland, so that's what that's all about. <laughs> and yeah, uh, what right. people might not know as well is that Ish is also very good at lawn bowls. Quickly tell us about that, Ish. Yeah, and no, I, I did actually take down a few old uh, Pukekohe lawn bowl stalwarts back in the <laughs> high school days and um, managed to get myself down to a, a championship event in Wellington um, for a game that I only started to take a couple of days off school for. So, uh, <laughs> very exciting time. How good. How good. And back to the cricket. You're now going to spend Christmas in Karachi. How are you feeling about the series in Pakistan? Yeah, no, really excited Firstly, to get over there and play the series, I think it's always, you know, tough to be away during during times like Christmas. I think it's, it's such a great time to be in New Zealand. You know, the weather's amazing, your friends and family are around, and you spend a lot of time away as a as a sports person. So, having those times where you know a lot of your family members and friends are free as well, you know, off work to have that time to be able to spend together, it's obviously um, a bit of a sacrifice that you make going away at this time of the year, but. Um, you know, everyone's been so supportive of, of me, you know, going away and, and doing what I do and especially to get back in the test side, I guess, you know, gives them something to watch over that period, which is really exciting too. Are the conditions in Pakistan an exciting prospect too? Because the Leagues have had a couple of uh, good good games over there in terms of the series between Pakistan and England. Yeah, look, um, I, I think especially the second test that they played over there showed that there were signs of turn and our second test is going to be in the same place in Multan. So I'm not sure what Karachi is going to be like. Um, I don't think it's it's going to turn as much as what you expect in places like Sri Lanka or India. Um, but it's going to be something that we have to adapt to. And 
and hopefully we can sort of, you know, be able to make a few breakthroughs because taking 20 wickets is, you know, the only way you can win test matches and that's something that we aspire to do. And this is your first trip to Pakistan, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it'll be my first time playing there. You know, I was you know, I was there last year when we got sent home um, after yeah. about a week or so, so didn't get a chance to play there, which I think would have been one of the last sort of test playing nations that I'd get a chance to play at, which... You know, it's really exciting to tick off the bucket. So um, it'd be cool if, if I get that opportunity now. And um, no, it's a, it's a great bunch of guys to be able to do it with too. And just lastly, obviously, big news out this week with the Black Caps and your captaincy change. I guess, what do you make of the decision? And I guess, how excited are you about having Tim Southey take over those reins? Yeah, it's a bit of an end of an era. Um, you know, yeah. Kane. You know, over the last few days, it's been. Um, you know, pretty heartfelt sort of all the support that he's got and, and you know, um, been a, a great time for reflection on how successful a, a period it's been for New Zealand cricket and, you know, looking back at, at the last 10 or so years, I think, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to say it's not one of the most successful years New Zealand cricket's ever had and so for him to be able to lead that and uh, a lot of the guys to be a part of that um, was a really special thing and I guess for him, being a young cricketer, um, seeing that, you know, he wants to move in a different direction and, and he can go out on his own terms. I think it's great for him. And a guy like Tim, who's led the side, um, especially a number of times in T20 I cricket, um, you know, I'm sure is going to do a great job in his absence and hopefully adds his own own little spin onto the captaincy as well because that's a whole part of it. It's just sort of um, being really instinctive and that's something Tim's really good at too. Yeah. The end of an era, but the start of an exciting new chapter. Thank you so much for your time, Ish, and all the best over in Pakistan. Have a safe and happy Christmas, and good luck. Thanks, Jordan. Cheers. S-E-N-Z. Time for your local sports update, thanks to Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. Our champion Crusaders have been crowned the best sports team in Australasia for the second time. They've beaten out the A-League side Melbourne City, the AFL's Geelong Cats and back-to-back NRL Premier's Penrith Panthers. Old Boys Collegians are one step closer to representing Canterbury next year's National Club Cricket Championships after winning the Christchurch Metro T20 comp. OBC are in the process of organising games against the Canterbury Country and South Canterbury winners to decide who takes part in the Nationals in April. New Zealand's most decorated Paralympian, Dame Sophie Pascoe, a proud Cantab, has been appointed an apprentice on the Swimming New Zealand board. The 11-time gold medalist shared the announcement via her own social media channel, saying she's looking forward to continue being able to make positive impacts in the New Zealand swimming community. And Matatu, the uh, women's Opiki rugby team, have announced that Napunawai will now be their home ground as opposed to Orange Theory. That's usually the home of Rugby League, now the home of, hopefully, next year's Opiki Stars. That's your local sports update. Thanks to Trident Homes, proud supporters of the Trident Home Tactics. Check out their modern home plans at tridenthomes.nz.
It's time for Frankie's Five. Yes, Frankie's fill-in five. I'm going for the top five sporting achievements of 2022, and they're in no particular order. I'm going to start with the Black Ferns winning the World Cup final. That final and that campaign will forever be etched on my mind. One of those games, you know where you were, who you were with, and remember all of the emotions you felt throughout that 80 minutes. The Black Ferns winning their sixth world title after defeating England 34-31 in front of a sold-out Eden Park. This has so many layers to it. From the 23 who played in that match... The Professor Wayne Smith taking them from zero to hero, written off just months prior to the World Cup champ. His offsiders, Bunting, Clark, Hanson, Henry, what a lineup of names, but perhaps more importantly, what it's done for the game and for women's sport. Next up, I've gone Zoe sadowski Sinnott and Nico Porteous winning historic golds for New Zealand. I felt like you couldn't do Zoe without having Nico. That's how they've kind of come about, and that's how I want them to stay. I actually still can't believe it was this year. I spent seven weeks in Beijing covering the most successful Winter Olympic and Paralympic campaigns. If you didn't know, yes, I went to the Games. Um, Headlined by a historic gold from Zoe in the snowboard slope style, then followed up by Nico in the free ski halfpipe. I had to say that that wasn't to be like, you know, well, was me, but everyone at TVNZ always takes the mickey because they bring it up so often. Um, I'm extremely privileged to say, as I just have, that I was there, got to see it live with my own two eyes, and only just because only just, it was minus 20 plus and my eyelashes were frozen together, but still. New Zealand's first Winter Olympic golds, and going by the stacked talent we have now, it's safe to say it could be the first of plenty more to come. And what those two have done for snow sports in New Zealand is just beyond belief, really. They've you know, created a whole new wave of talent to come through the system. Because of them, we actually now have a high-performance pathway. Uh, Then Shane Van Gisbergen, the man only recently became a three-time Australian supercars champion. His stats are phenomenal. On top of those three championships, he's had 75 wins and 40 pole positions. He's the fourth most successful driver in the Supercars Championship history. He won Bathurst recently for the second time. He also gave one hell of a lasting memory at Pukekohe Raceway before it was taken over by those horsing folk. No, as a girl who grew up in Pukki, I am not bitter at all. Aaron Gate, the cycling goat, an integral part of our most successful Commonwealth Games team in Birmingham. Again, that word history, becoming the first New Zealander to win four golds at one games. That final road race in particular, one to remember, the only Kiwi in the lead bunch. He hung on for dear life to fight off attack after attack, and he chased and chased and chased, and just when you thought there'd be nothing left in those tanks or those legs, he powered home for gold. The man's at the peak of his powers. And lastly, number five is Lydia Coe. She's back to being the number one ranked women's golfer in the world. Say no more. She was the youngest to ever do so when she was 17 years old, now 25. She's arguably back and better than ever. She recently won the LPGA Tour Championship in Florida and also Player of the Year. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The woman deserves a damehood. And that's it for my Frankie's Five. S-E-N-Z. Right, to what's going on in Canterbury. Saturday the 17th of December, a week out from our favourite old mate with the big white bed coming down the chimney. Thanks to Addington Raceway, here's a quick wrap of what's going on in Canterbury today. Jelly Park's got a school's out summer pool party to get the holidays underway. The Southern Ballet present Alice in Wonderland at the Isaac Theatre Royal, a production of ballet, contemporary and jazz. The Otatahi Smoke Barbecue Festival is on today from 2pm at Hagley Park, a chance to celebrate all things barbecue. Quote, it'll have some of the most succulent barbecue connoisseurs in the country. Bearsies will be flowing in these live music too. She had the headliner. Ruapuna Speedways hosting the Hydrolink Sprint War of the Wings Christmas meet tonight from 6pm. 
Tomorrow, the main freight Christmas show parade is on at the Canterbury AMP grounds. Now, this is a festival-style event with roving, roving entertainment, rather amusement parks, Christmas markets, food vendors and two big picnic areas for families to make a real day of it. That's from 11am tomorrow. My life hack for keeping up to date with what's going on at this hectic time of the year is going on the City Council website, click on news, what's on and eat your heart out because there's no shortage of things to do. Right, well, we are very lucky to be joined by Frank Endicott this morning, the rugby league legend. Warriors v Storm tickets on sale now at Ticketek. Hey, look, such exciting news to have the Warriors back playing in Christchurch, even if it is pre-season, hey? Well, it is. I mean, we haven't had the Warriors here for, what, four years now. And um, come February 19th, uh, down here again to play the Melbourne Storm. Um, so, you know, you couldn't get a better team to play against. So that should draw a good crowd down here. And, um, yeah, and the weather will be good. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing them down here. And, and they tell me the tickets are $10 a, a ticket. So, I mean, you know, there's no excuse not to go. Mm. How important is it, Frank, for the Warriors, after a couple of COVID-plagued years being stuck across the ditch, to be able to get back into the New Zealand communities? I think it's a good question. I, I, I mean, we haven't seen much of them down here for, for a few mm. years now as New Zealand. Um, with COVID, it's really, it's, it's bugging a lot of things up, hasn't it? And, and we, you know, it's important they get out to the community, see people, get people on board again, get them interested and get them supporting the Warriors. Um, because, you know, if you don't see them, it's, it's, it's only the diehard supporters that stick with them. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a very good thing they're going around the country. I, I, I believe in the um, the regular season, the season proper, that they're uh, playing the Newcastle Knights in Wellington in round one, which is great, and they play the Broncos in Napier, I think, in round 13 in McLean Park. So, you know, they are going around, they're, they're making an effort to get around the country, and I think that's great. What have you made of the Warriors' recent form, Frank? I know you're often quite outspoken about this. <laughs> Well, I'm always honest about it. Um, you know, yeah. I, I was asked last year where I thought the Warriors would finish, and, and most people were saying top eight. Uh, I couldn't see that. Uh, there were some people suggesting top four. Uh, I made the suggestion that they'd finish around 11, 12, and um, I wasn't too far wrong. They finished 15th out of 16th, so it doesn't get much uh, much worse than that. One off the wooden spoon. So there's only one way up the ladder, or hopefully, um, and, um, you know, they've, they've made a few new signings. Uh, they've got a new coach on board, and Andrew Webster. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of reasons for them to go up the ladder. But uh, to be honest, um, I, I think they'll go up a couple of places, but uh, I can't see them making the eight. 
What do you think then is going to be the key to finding some consistency in 2023? Well, I'll tell you the key. The key is attitude. That's a, one word covers everything. If they if they go if they approach the games with the right attitude, which didn't really happen last year at times. Um, and, and another very important thing is they have an injury-free season because if you have a look at all the successful teams in the NRL and, and in most competitions and most sports around the world, it's the, it's the squads that get through with minimum injuries. Um, each, each coach in the NRL will allow for about 15% injuries to their squad at any given time. Um, but the Warriors had a fair share of uh, worry, um, injuries to key players last year, and hopefully if they stay... If they stay injury-free, um, then that will certainly help. The other thing is, they've made some signings there that I've, I've looked through the squad, and there's some players there that have had discipline problems. Um, I think discipline's one of the major ingredients of any of any rugby league team. Um, you need the major share of the ball to win matches, and to do that, you need good discipline. So that that's an area they really need to work on. So there's three things, Jordan. <laughs> Three things. We love that. Frank's top three. Hey, my question yep. was going to be, you've obviously looked at the roster. Who are the exciting prospects for you? Uh, well, yeah, they've, they've, you know, they've made a few new signings. I think the five, Nicole Klockstad from um, Chance, Nicole Klockstad from Raiders. Now, he, he went from the Warriors because he couldn't get a go and went to Canberra Raiders. And he became really their player of the year in one year, playing at fullback. He had a terrific year. Um, and then he got injured, and as I say about the injuries, and fell from grace, and he's back now with the Warriors. So he's a very, very good player, and he's got a great attitude. So I see him as, um, as an important player. Um, it's where they actually play him. Um, do they play him at fullback? Um because they got Watanay Zalesniak there, he wants to play fullback. So you know, there's that. Um, it's that thing. Where do you play him? Also, uh, Nakori from um, Eels is a good player. Dylan Walker from Manly, uh, he's a good player. He had a few injuries last year to his knee that held him up. Um, he's another one that needs to work on his discipline, but he's talented. Uh, they got the second row from the Knights, Newcastle Knights, Mitch Barnett. Um, Another one with a few uh, discipline problems, but a very good player. And Tamari Martin from the um, Cowboys. So I think, uh, again, he's a very good player. So they add something to the squad. Yeah. Now, kind of back to the Christchurch we were talking about before with them coming here. How, um, I guess, important is it for the revival of the game in some respects here? Because there's a long, proud history of rugby league, especially across on the coast and here in Christchurch, that seems to sort of have gone away in recent years. Uh, well, it has, and you know you can blame COVID for that before anything. But you know, um, you know, it will do a lot to boost the game here. I'm sure. I mean, we've got to, we. The one thing Canterbury have in the West Coast, well, not as much West Coast because of numbers, but they've got some very uh, keen players over there as we have here, and they just need a boost like this to um, bring more out of the woodwork. So, you know, and, and not just the Warriors, but the Melbourne Storm coming here. I mean, they're they're a team with a very big following. They've got some. Uh, some of the best players in the world in their team. So, you know, there's a good reason to go. And to pay $10 to see them is, um, you know, is a real incentive. Yeah, cheap as chips. Hey, also, I understand you've just been at the Rugby League World Cup in England taking a bunch of Kiwis on tour. Tell me about it. How was it? 
Oh, look, look, Travel Link uh, International in Auckland um, rang us up to see if we could get a group together of 20 people, and uh, we got 38. And I'll tell you what, oh. every one of those 38 people had a fantastic time. Um, it was a trip of a lifetime, to be honest, and uh, the football was great. Um, we saw some great rugby league, but um, the schedule we had over there um, from the company was fantastic. You know, we went to a, a places like Scotland, Liverpool, London. We went all around the show, and uh, they really loved it. Now they're already talking about going to France in three years' time. So, uh, yeah, very, very good. You want to come on one, Jordan? <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up. Because where's the next one? Did you say France? <laughs> yeah, France in three years, the next World Cup. But, um so uh, that'll be, it's a nice venue there. Um, so, you know, they'll, they'll be doing some uh, trips through to uh, Italy and uh, maybe Portugal place, Spain, places like that also in, in between games. So it'll be a good trip to go on. Jeez, you can take the man out of rugby league, but you can't take the rugby league out of the man. You can't stay away, can you, Frank? Well, and that's the thing, you know, I sort of, you know, I retired from coaching a couple of years ago and, and, and bought a racehorse uh, or a share in a racehorse and um, having so much fun with her, it's unbelievable. Um, but the rugby league's still there in the veins, don't worry about that, always will be. Yes, congratulations on your horse, by the way. A brilliant win here at Addington a couple of weekends ago. Frank, thank you so much for your time. You have a lovely uh, Christmas and a safe and happy new year and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, you too, Jordan. Thank you. Warriors take on the Melbourne Storm at Orange Theory Stadium, February 19th. Tickets on sale now at ticketech.co.nz. Now to the panel, proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Looking forward to dissecting all things sport this morning with Stuff Sports writer Rob Van Royen and Canterbury cricketer come voluntary analyst, I guess you could say, Matt Hay on debut. Welcome to the show, mate. Awesome to have you both with us this morning. Rob, we're going to start with you. We were both at the Black Caps press where Williamson stepped down. Southie took the reins. What do you make of that decision? Uh, I'm definitely in the camp that was uh, a little bit surprised they went with Southie over Latham um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, it's been Latham that they've turned to as an interim captain when Kane's been out. He's captained six of the last ten tests for starters. Um, four wins, five losses. Look, I think at the start of the day when we heard uh, that Kane was going to step down as a captain and t- and some Saudi was going to come in, we no one probably would have been surprised if it was in any of the white ball modes, given Saudi's captain. White ball cricket, and there's been uh, obviously questions regarding Kane's form in 2020s, particularly. So, yeah, for it to be in the test, it was definitely a little bit of a surprise for sure. That was my main takeaway. And the other thing as well, how do you feel? Uh, you've obviously said you're in the Latham camp, but to, uh, Tim, rather, like there's a lot of pressure on him now, especially with Trent Bolt gone. Um, what do you kind of think he's going to bring to the test arena in terms of his captaincy? He was a bit shy on it, I must say, earlier in the week about what, what he would do. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I guess he said, well, uh, we said, we'll wait and see. And I guess that's all, probably what anyone can do, right? Uh, and it's look, it's a tough, tough assignment first up. Pakistan over there, uh, stinging from a fresh off a series loss to, to England as well. Um, a, a real tough order. So, yeah, I mean, we'll wait and see. Uh, look, I've, when he's captain the one day side, I felt he's done rather well. He's, so, he's obviously, um, I mean, he, to be fair, even the reasoning, we didn't get a real clear message really did we yesterday from Gary Steed in terms of he did mention experience and then he did refer to the fact he's only the second pace bowler as a bit of a point of difference um the second pace bowler to be to be named captain of the black caps in test cricket um there was no real clear strong reasoning why they went with him over Tom Latham uh other than an experience and like he's clearly you know, uh, hugely respected in the camp. Um, and look, he said he, he, he did say he'll lean on um, Kane a fair bit and, and even Tom, plenty of leaders in that team. So, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. Were you surprised um, when the question was asked if they would ch- change to split coaching as well and then David White stepped in for Gary Steed to st- say that's something we're looking into? I thought that was quite a telling uh, question and answer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what we are seeing uh, again, it's it's not a it's not a strange or a new thing in international cricket. Um, and I think, I mean, you've seen in the past, I think Gary said, take a couple of series off. You know, New Zealand cricket have got their well-being system in place. Um, there's been so much touring, the calendar's just chocker. So we've seen him this series, and we've seen uh, Jurgensen, for example, did step in for a series. Uh, I guess if you go down that road, it does sort of take that problem away where you've got guys getting burnt out from being away from the family and on the road all the time splitting it up I, I think it's a good it's a good thing that and it, and it sounds like I've like definitely discussed it so, you know, Gary Steve's off contract after the World Cup in India uh, in November so look there's a, there's, it certainly looks like there's a chance that um, they will go down that road yeah, new to us, but it does happen elsewhere. Hey, um, Matt, obviously, Ish has been recalled to the test side after a four-year hiatus. You'll know him from Canterbury. How good? Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think for a start, really awesome to see Ish has worked hard um, at Red Bull Cricket and get another opportunity in that arena, but also for New Zealand to take a leg spinner um, overseas. I think it's a really exciting move. I think after the Indian series away last year where um, we got beaten into the ground a wee bit and then seeing the success uh, Pakistan's new mystery league spinner's hat. I think it's it's really cool and, and positive step forward for for us going into this test series. And obviously, we've seen as well some leaguers have had some success with that Pakistan England series as well. So good move all round. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, you know if him and, and AJ's could link up in a, a test match, I think that would be be really positive step forward for New Zealand and, and maybe just a bit of a point of difference for us because it's going to be a very tough. Um, so we're just looking at the way England have gone about it. I'm not sure we could probably, mm. at this stage, match that, um, or we're going to match that sort of intensity with the bat. But if we can um, do something different with the ball, I think that could really help. Yeah, Rob, what are you expecting from this uh, test series in Pakistan? And what do you make of, I guess, the side as well? Obviously, Ish is the big name or, you know, the big one on the uh, spreadsheet coming back in after four years. But there's also Phillips um, and also Tickner's has been called in. I mean, what do you make of the squad and, I guess, what they're getting themselves into? Yeah, no huge surprises. I, I am definitely I'm, I'm quite good, pleased to see Sody make it. Like, I always like a leg mm. spinner, if you can get a leg spinner in there, especially... To that in that part of the world, I mean, just watching that English series, I mean, watching Jack Leach with his left arm tweakers generating some serious turn, 
I mean, look, East Sodi's going to get, get plenty of turn <laughs> if Jack Leach is getting a, a heap. So, uh, look, I really like the Sodi. I mean, it's the thing they've played, what, 30 tests um, in the four years since Sodi last played test cricket for New Zealand. Um, rather staggering. Like he's only got 41 test wickets to his name. Hasn't played a lot. Um, I like it. And, and t- no other real surprises there. Um, I guess it's interesting how, exactly how what order they go with in, in the middle there. And, and you know, you, you did mention, you know, we've got no Trent Bolt uh, there. So that puts a bit of pressure on um, Sow there. But, I mean, it's, you've still got Matt, Matt Henry comes straight in. You've got Neil Wagner is still there. Plenty. Uh, that, that pace attacks. You've got plenty in, in there. As I say, I think the middle order, how they how they go about that is going to be interesting. And, and then just the, the captaincy and Kane, it's going to be an adjustment for him. But we haven't seen the best from him in recent in recent times, so it will. We were as he was asked yesterday, could this be liberating dropping the captaincy? Could it be liberating for his for his batting? It'll be interesting to see if, if, if it is. I mean, it's worked quite well, for Steve Smith. Mm, that was a good question from you, Rob. I'll give you that bloody good question. Everyone turned around like, nice, Rob. <laughs> uh, Matt, the other big thing we talked about this morning is rugby league and the Warriors back in Christchurch next year, albeit for pre-season. Your thoughts on this, please, because I know you're a big fan of the Warriors. Well, firstly, I think it's going to be great for the Warriors club to get around New Zealand, um, not only in the pre-season, but they're taking games to Wellington next year as well. And I think probably for the players that haven't spent a lot of time in New Zealand, just seeing how um, how well loved, how well supported, how far-reaching the Warriors club is. And I think that can only be good for the players and, and all the staff to just see what it actually means to, to be part of this club and how much support, um, loyal support is there through the second thin. So I think that's, for a start, going to be really, really good. And then secondly, I just think that for the sport in Christchurch, it's just a massive positive move, especially bringing the Storm here. Um, I'm not sure you know, all the big big names will be playing for the Storm, but it'll be a quality side. And just seeing if you're a young um, rugby league player or not sure about if you wanted to play union or league and you can actually have a look at something to aspire to in your city, I think that's only only going to be positive for Canterbury Rugby League. I'm sure it's going to be a good crowd um, turnout for that one. Like when pre-COVID times, when, when teams would bring games here, they were sold out pretty quickly. You mentioned that word loyalty, but I tell you, she's a tough old job sometimes being a loyal fan of the Warriors. What do you think is going to be the key to getting some consistency, I guess, moving forward? Um, That's a really tough question. Um, I think the main thing for the Warriors is that we can just have consistency um, and staff, coaching, all of that sort of thing. I think only Mm. being back in New Zealand is going to help that. I've um, listened to a few um, interviews with Andrew uh, with the new coach, and he's been really positive about his vision, and you can tell there's um, a long-term view there, which is good, and I don't think he's trying to necessarily turn the Warriors into a, a title contender in 2023, but I think there's a plan there to five, six, seven years' time that we can get a squad um, together, or he can get a squad together, and junior pathways all leading to the same thing, and obviously just being at Penrith, he's sort of seen how it can all come into fruition pretty quickly if you get um, juniors coming through, but I think next year for the Warriors is I had a bit of a play around just trying to name what, what I thought the 17 would be saying. There's not a whole lot of depth there um, mm. if there are injuries. So I think in terms of consistency, that's going to be hard again with um, sort of we've seen in the previous years, you lose a couple of key players, especially up front. Um, and I think it could be quite tough if, if, if we don't um, spend the rest of the money in our cap over the next sort of six or eight weeks. 
Mm. Um, Rob, Matt sort of touched on it then, but I guess after two years of being stuck basically overseas, no fans around them, et cetera, et cetera, how important is it that they are back out in the regions, even if it is just for pre-season, if it, even if it is just for a training bout? Like, how important is that for the game and for the Warriors, I guess? Yeah, oh, it definitely is. And, I mean, I think just in terms of being back in New Zealand and, and home not based in Australia, I mean, just, if you just reference the breakers, I mean, you can see the turnaround they've had, and it's not... I mean, sure, they've made some change to the squad, and um, but, you know, it, it's no coincidence that they're back home now and that things are, are on the up, they're playing a lot better. And, look, I think that'll... You know, it's going to rub off a little bit on the Warriors. I, I mean, I'm not saying that Steph, I'm not going to say it's their year or anything like that, but um, the fact that they're going to be back, <laughs> <Go on>. yeah, <laughs> the fact that they're back in New Zealand, they're going to and look, it takes a few games away. Look, the Knights and they play the Knights in Wellington and, and Brisbane and, and Napier, don't they? And then there's the pre-season game here, so taking some games to the region, I think it's quite a good gesture to precious home games, take them away from uh, the fortress there in Auckland, the HQ. So. Um, oh, no, a very good gesture and to mark the return after a few years in, in Australia. Uh, speaking of rugby league too, I thought I'd quickly ask you this, Rob. Uh, Matatu have announced that they will have their home games at Napunawai rather than Orange Theory sighting atmosphere, being able to sell it out. It's drastically limited numbers. Do you think that's the right move? Um, given we've just had a Women's Rugby World Cup where interest is peaking and now they've been put into this tiny wee venue. Good question. Uh, I, 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 to be fair, like when they first, um, when uh, Super Rugby or Picky was first announced uh, ahead of last season, uh, the talk was that all the home games were actually going to be played in smaller venues, like, uh, and even like regional. Initially, the talk was these games were going to be played in places like Timaru and Omaru. So, um, and then it became all of a sudden, even before the Women's um, World Cup and the success there, they started talking about actually Orange Theory Stadium. Um, the fact is, Orange Theory Stadium, it's, it's really, even for Canterbury and the MPC, it's, it's, it's a really expensive venue to, to, to play in. Um, so I suspect money is a, is a big part of it. I was a little bit surprised within the Puna Wife because there was, talk, you know, double headers with Super Rugby to, um, with men's Super Rugby to sort of um, share mm. those costs. But um, in terms of, you, you mentioned the crowds, it's, that, that's a real big one. Like, I'm fascinated to see what kind of crowds turn up to these games on the back of the World Cup. Uh, I mean, I look ahead, and that's including when the Black Ferns play in New Zealand. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, ahead of that World Cup, the, the Black Ferns played Australia in Christchurch, and I think 3,800 turned up. Um, look, I'm sure there'd be a lot more than that if the Black Ferns played Australia in Christchurch in winter. But yeah, yeah, I'm really, as I say, it's, it's one I'll be keeping a close eye on. I'm sure a lot of people will in terms of crowds. Mm. Uh, now, Matt, what have you made of the FIFA World Cup so far, and who's your money on come Monday morning? Well, I think once the first ball was kicked, I think the World Cup changed drastically. It sort of went from the off-field shambles, which it which it is, to um, some really quality football. Um, it's been really good to watch. It's been some early mornings, but there's been some fantastic football played, and I think just the globalness of it, the amount of contenders there are, has made it compelling viewing with Belgium and Germany not making out of their pools, that sort of thing. So I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think you sort of have to look past a wee bit um, from a fan perspective. You have to look a wee bit past the, the Qatar mess and, and just mm. purely about the football, and it's been really, really good. Probably, I think Messi's going to be hard to stop on on Monday morning. I just I can see the fairy tale um, unravelling. I thought Morocco really 
probably pushed France more than the score suggested yesterday, and I think um, Argentina will take something from that. And yeah, I think they'll do it. What about you, Robbo? Uh, I'm leaning on France uh, to take it out, and that's not because, like as I said the other week, I'm, I'm Dutch. Clearly You're the a Dutch fan, and I'm I'm I'm, a bit, but, uh, I'm not bitter am I after that that quarterfinal <laughs> loss on shoot and the penalty shootout. Um, look, I mean to the fact that look, I think if France had um, Pogba, Benzema, and and Kanta, I mean three players they don't even have it, um, in Qatar. I think this you know they this wouldn't actually really I think this be it wouldn't really be much of a question. I think it would be France without a doubt. I think it's going to be. The messy fact is huge, isn't it? I mean, every match mm. seems to, to be producing one or two pieces of absolute genius or or magic. I mean, the fairy tale ending—it's going to be his last World Cup match. It's it's well and truly on the cards. But um, look, I, I still think France might just ruin that ruin that day for him. You're such a Grinch. Um, right, just <laughs> lastly, because it's Christmas, Rob. What's your wish for 2023? Sporting wish, or it can be any kind of wish. Any wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's, that's, uh, talk about putting me on, on the spot. spot. I don't really <laughs> think about Look, like what would you of... what would you like in twenty twenty three? Make it sporting then. If I'm going to make it sporting, I'm going to say. It's gonna look because I just don't really get carried away with any New Zealand sporting teams. Or I just I just like to see that the All Blacks just uh, New Zealand rugby just go early, early on the coaching. Just make just just make, go early on the coaching decision. Don't drag it out. And also the other wish would be related to our job for all teams just to ease, give us better access to players, more one-on-one interviews. That's what I'm going to go with. Very simple. Amen. Amen. And what about you, Matt? What's your wish for 2023? Oh, my first wish would be the Warriors make the top eight. I think that would be, you look at what the Breakers have done, and I think that would be such an exciting ride if the Warriors can get something together and really gel it. And secondly, I think the Black Caps have a better chance than they're given at the ODI World Cup in India next year. I think that I love would be that. really uh, Third time lucky in a final. That's my, my call. Yep, I'm backing those wishes, boys. Well, Thank you so much for your time this morning. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time this morning, Rob and Matt. That was the panel proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. And that's it for the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner this week. I've been your host, Jordan Oppett, filling in for Frankie. And that's been our last show of the year. Thanks to those of you who joined us and all of those who tune in each Saturday. Have a safe and happy Christmas and New Year.